Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen X types from a left-wing perspective. It is Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. I know we've been away for a while. We're back. Did we miss anything? <laughs> did anything happen? I don't feel like it did. Oh, man. Um, the world melted down since we've been busy. Uh, apologize for that. I don't think there's anything we could have done on the air to prevent it. Nope. Um, Life sometimes happens. It so. does, and the world happens, and there's so much to get to where our heads are spinning. We don't really even know where to start, except for, well, before that, there, there's two names <laughs> okay. that are in the news, uh, that being Ken Cuccinelli and Anthony Scaramucci, the Cooch and the Mooch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been, I had that one. You had that one? <laughs> you were really proud of that one? <laughs> the, it's the the worst sitcom ever. The Cooch and the Mooch. Yes. As two of the worst people ever, so that's Yeah, well, they're small perfect. potatoes. I, I'll get to the Cuccinelli thing in a minute. I don't really give a shit about Scaramucci. No. Uh, go ahead. You had something you wanted to start Yeah, with. I want to talk about anniversaries. Okay. Um, I don't know what to call them. I don't think anniversary is really the proper title for what we experienced the last week, but um, two really significant things um, transpired a number of years ago that we're calling anniversaries. Five years ago, Michael Brown was gunned down in the street by police officer Darren Wilson in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. Ferguson. Um, And that is five years, which feels like nothing. Right, um, which really sort of galvanized a movement. And two years ago, Heather Heyer was murdered in Charlottesville at the Unite the Right rally. So, this time of year just makes Nazis what? Um, it's it's bizarre to me that these two things could have been um, that these two anniversaries are so close together. And I wasn't really sure what to do with it because <clears throat> when I saw, you know, Heather Heyer and, and Michael Brown both in the same, like, basically week, I was like, God, I, I didn't realize that some sort of dog days of summer, late mm-hmm. summer, I don't know. But both of them deserve to be uh, remembered and talked about. And, um, you know, we have people that are close to us that were involved in the um, sort of Ferguson protests after Michael Brown was murdered. And, um, you know, this is, for them, I think, is a time of, of reflection and a time of, like, community and um, this sense of, um, I don't know, like so much love for the community and and so many things came out of it in terms of like activism and also what really has changed and the answer to that is not much well it's um in addition to the cops now it's citizens that are that have joined in the uh brutalization of people of color which i guess is a good enough segue um since we've been uh since we've did another podcast there have been three at least three mass high profile mass shootings 
Uh, one was at the Garlic Festival in California a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if we podcasted after that one or not. I don't think so. But it was uh, a young man, white man in his 20s, or maybe he was 19, he was something like that, uh, who had, we know, white supremacist leanings. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was, my God, I'm, I'm Dayton? mixing them up. No, before Dayton. Oh, um, right. The El Paso. In El Paso, a, uh, a young white man went into a Walmart, a Walmart within a shopping mall in El Paso, and shot a bunch of people. He was trying to kill as many Mexicans, people he considered to right. be Mexicans as he could. Right. He had definite white supremacist leanings. Another There's young, been some sort of manifesto that he published. Yeah, which yeah. sounds basically like a Trump stump speech. It just does. Yeah. I don't. There's no way around that. No matter right. what you think of Donald Trump. It sounds like one of the speeches. Uh, then there was, not a few hours after that, a young white man in Akron shot up a bar. Well, oh. Yeah. Well, I was talking about Dayton. I'm sorry, Dayton. Yeah. Dayton, Dayton. shot up a bar. And uh, we are, he, it is less clear what his motivation was. We do know from some high school classmates of his that he had very misogynistic leanings. So I can tell you some more about that guy if you okay, want. Okay, yeah. Um, so there's been a lot of, of mud made in the media about if we can blame Donald Trump for Dayton, then we can blame Elizabeth Warren for uh, El Paso. I'm sorry, strike that, reverse it. If we can blame Donald Trump for El Paso, then we can blame Elizabeth Warren for Dayton. Yeah, because he posted he, something about he really hated. Warren. He really hated President Trump. He, was, he really hated... Um, uh, a lot of the like far right conservative circles. He posted a lot of stuff about, um, you know, economic equality and a lot of that stuff. Okay. And when you dig down into um, what this guy's motives may have been, we find out that he was a part of this, um, well, subculture of metal music. And I'm going to get your take on this in a second because there's some real problematic parts of that that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but was just really, really intensely misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called like porn core or like grind porn core. Yeah, yeah. I, I Before this, I knew <clears throat> a bit about it. I didn't know it existed. But oh, yeah. essentially, there's this community that he was a part of that... Um, that's always been around. That's that was around well, when I was in high th- school. Th- this is different. This isn't that. I don't think. I don't no, know it, how much it you is. know about it. it. Is. Okay. It is. Right. There, Maybe so I just... literally since the mid '90s, there were bands that, um, usually punk bands that would have just horrible misogynistic lyrics about about rape and about that. And I always obviously steered clear of that. I didn't want anything to do right with and those so people was... or that music. And they and they always said like, oh, it's satire. It's yes. a joke. It's not serious. Yes. We're not seriously talking about raping, torturing women. and murdering. No, women. it's it's a joke. And and like it's like I don't care. It's not. I'm not well, comfortable. It's right. So that. so anyway, he's part of that community. Um, and then like, I don't know if he was an incel or not, but, like, it definitely seems like... He had some incel tendencies, yeah, let's put like it that the, way. The, there was definitely, like, a, Based a, on a real misogyny going on. And his band members uh, took down everything that ever existed that they did because they were like, holy shit, we did not think that, like, this guy was serious and, like, we what the fuck? Like, this is absolutely... This was always supposed to be satire and a joke. to everything that we would and, ever yeah. want to have happen. Um, yeah. 
which does not excuse them, by the way, for me, uh, does not excuse this band existing um, or these members of this band uh, participating in this band. Because if we know anything, we know that violence against women is a thing that exists, uh, that intimate partner violence is the most um, deadly thing for women in the United States. Yeah, if you want want to take these guys' excuses at face value, like, okay, I don't get the joke. I don't get the satire. I don't see what's funny. I, you know, I don't get it. I don't either. You know, and, and, and look, we've, we've had the conversation before. Lots of, of hip hop is very misogynistic and they, and they don't get a pass either. No. That doesn't get a pass either. Whatever it this is. This is different, I would argue. Uh, I would say so too. This is straight, like, this is not like those hoes and bitches or whatever. This is like really specific descriptions of raped, violated, tortured, mm-hmm. murdered women that is yeah. the subject of their band. That yeah. is what they write about. That is what they sing and do their whatever's about. This is what the subject of it is. It's an entire genre. And whether or not, you know, you want to be complicit in the murders of a bunch of people because you decided to do this and you didn't want that to happen, you are complicit in that. And I'm sorry, but you are. Because I, what is the joke? What is... I don't get the... Is there... I'm, I'm struggling to even find if I take off every part of me that exists that makes sense and put on like a, a dude hat that I don't get, what is funny or interesting or like, what's funny? What's the joke? What's the satire? I, I, <clears throat> I couldn't tell you that. I don't know if that's your question for me. <clears throat> no, it's not. But so anyway, that's who this guy was. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of hay made, like we said, about like, well, he was a leftist. And it's like, well, first of all, <laughs> let's not call him a leftist. Let's call him anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get to call yourself that unless you aren't a, like really hateful misogynist. Like, that's not that's not our politics. That's not our perspective. That's not our values. And so it's really like vile to sort of talk about this guy as the like, well, this is the Trump guy, and then this is the left guy. And it's like, no, this is a fucking angry white dude who hated women and then murdered people, which is so common at this point that, like, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't... I don't give a shit who he voted for. There's just so many angry white dudes who go out and kill people because they hate women that, like, that's... I don't care if he hates Donald Trump. He hates women, too. So, well, like, where, that's where, not a leftist perspective where, to have. Where it all falls apart is if we're in a room with a right-winger and they're yelling about that, and then you say to them, well, I don't want that guy armed either, then everything falls apart and then there's no more conversation because they want that guy armed. The leftist guess, who hates Trump, yeah. they, they want him to be armed to the teeth. But they don't want him to be armed because he hates Trump. They want him to be armed because he hates women. Because so do they. And they want him to be armed because he, he's a white guy. He looks like them. Yes. Or they're at least fine with it. So my question to you, we can make this brief, but I just think it's a thing we should address, is that you have a band. Mm-hmm. It's recording an album. It's about to go on tour. And there are some folks in your midst that, and I've been in this community since I was 15, so it's not just your community, it's mine too. And there are people who flock to sort of punk and metal and post-metal and whatever versions you want to call it 
who have really um, problematic values and who sing about things that make us really uncomfortable. Well, it, sometimes it's not even that. Uh, let, let me give you a perfect example. There's a guy, I'm not going to name his name, he works often or has worked at the, as the door guy at a venue we frequent a lot, that we play a lot, and I'm not going to name the venue. But what I will say is he has started his own booking, local booking company called Swinging Noose Productions. Oh. And... You didn't tell me about this. No, I, that, I'm telling you now. You're the first to hear as, as well as the audience. And some people that we know in the scene, probably without even thinking about it, have booked gigs with with this guy and are swinging noose productions yeah yeah and are appearing like in facebook promoted Mm. shows and things and flyers with that on it and i've made it very clear and my other bandmates agree with me that we're not going to be a part of that under zero circumstances will that ever happen and i and the i don't care if he wants to book you at the fucking like I don't care. There the, the isn't con- a place. The conversation right now is like, is it is it just enough to just stay away from that? Should we start to try to educate other bands? Like, what do you think this means? Why why are they is this guy using this moniker? And um, we yeah, we've already had to turn down a few things. Um, being asked to 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 join on a on a bill with that production company and. Other bands have asked us that that are doing this, and I don't. I don't think these bands have given it any thought. Um, well, I would I'm hope like, they haven't given it any thought. Of course, I I have. Um, and so, but that's just one example where yes, this this stuff has has crept into. Would it's always existed inside of these circles because there's something about neo-nazism and like the punk movement back in the day henry rollins talks about this a bunch of other like and the metal uh, and, scene and the metal and, movement too yeah. they talk about this and, and how they had to like kick out neo-nazis and there was like this battle particularly in denver there's this really great article from a local publication called the westward where they break down like some of the battles that happened within the local punk movement and the local metal movement and the neo-nazi movement going back to like the 80s and 90s and how they dealt with that and how there were definitely violent skirmishes that occurred. Yeah, and now and they're, they're to trying like to come back. Hide out and... inside of the of pubs and stuff before these people left. Like, this is not a new thing. This is just like, now it's like, they can just be everywhere. They're, they right? feel like in the age of Trump, they can come back. And, t- and typically, you know, in an arts community, and I include, you know, local music, punk music and metal music among that. Absolutely. Um, it is typically more inclusive right and more um absolutely so that's kind of at odds and and the problem is i don't i I, this guy i don't think is an outright white supremacist and i think he would tell you like oh it's a joke or it's satire it's back with the the what we just talked about with the whatever the porn core stuff Mm -hmm. um but again that doesn't that's that's not not good enough it's It's not not okay close to good enough and I think that it is beholden upon you, all of whom are white people in your band, to make some fucking noise in that community and to let people know that, like, no, it's not okay. It's not funny. It's not interesting. Blacklist this fucking guy. Blacklist anybody who plays on that bill. Like, it's not, this is, we're not in fun times. Yeah. It's not a fun time at all. 
It's not interesting, funny, or anything else other than really dangerous. Anyway. And there's something about that community that, like, I've been in it for a long time. And, like, there's, I, I've been railing about it for, I don't know, 20 years. Mm. About, like, this is really problematic. And these people cannot be allowed to be part of our community. And, like, we have to disallow them from being part of our community. I think that um, these shootings, and I'm not talking about the Trump base because they're in complete denial if they are not sympathetic to some of these characters. Uh, I think that this has been a wake-up call to the threat of white nationalist violence, and it's been a wake-up call, again, to guns. And you even had Trump out there saying, oh, I guess it's time to do something about guns. But, of course, he's not. He'll wait for everybody to forget about this. The NRA said, no way, don't do this. Mitch McConnell's not going to move on it, so... That's that's that, it, you know, if you're hoping there was going to be a big movement, uh, you know, a bipartisan movement to actually take some some solid gun control steps that uh, don't get your hopes up is basically what I'm saying as far as that goes. Now, as far as taking the threat of white nationalism more seriously, um, there's still some level of autonomy in the in the intelligence agencies. And we finally might get there. I want to remind everybody that. Mm-hmm. Right before Obama took office, there was um, the Department of Homeland Security basically sent out this report that said with the first black president about to be inaugurated and the struggling economy, um, white nationalist or or extreme right-leaning domestic terrorism is a problem or is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And the... Regular old political right went apeshit about that, which is always weird to me. (laughs) Like, oh, like, basically this report said, look out for neo-Nazis. And Rush Limbaugh and Lindsey Graham said, how dare you talk about us? Right. I was like, wait, no, no, no. We were talking about (laughs) neo-Nazis, motherfucker. What? It's like, like, no, that is people has never like put two people never put two and two together with us with that. Like, it's crazy. But in any event. So they basically, Valerie Jarrett, I think it was at the time, had to basically retract it and say, ah, I didn't mean it, just kidding. She got pressure to, like, wind that back. Of course, it turns out she was exactly right. Well, and particularly what the offense that people took to was that she said that, like, returning veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars are particularly at risk Well, they they used, they used that as a cudgel. But I heard plenty, I remember this at the time, and I've gone back and looked at it, a lot of them just jumped on... The, the term right wing. How dare you? Right. So, right. You know, that, uh, so they, in effect, they did not, you know, take more active steps. Now, now I think they have no choice, kinda. Although, since Trump has been in office, he has tried to roll even what there's this thing of that back. I mean, they have every choice and they keep making the wrong one. Yeah. Right? So, when we look at Heather Heyer and we look at Charlottesville and we look at the two-year anniversary of that, um, <laughs> this is an outright Nazi rally, right? Mm-hmm. And, and an activist was murdered by being uh, run over by a car, which is, some people don't still understand that that is a tactic that is used by domestic terrorists and terrorists of all kinds. Um, to 
create terror and murder people, right? Like you just drive your car into a group of people and then people get killed and then it creates this sense of terror. And Heather Heyer was killed in such an act. Um, and, you know, looking back, that's two years now. Is, is it two years? Yeah. And where we are now is that like, that seemed really extreme and we expected Republicans and Democrats alike. We expected the White House. We expected the sort of natural decorum that we have always had to react really strongly against the murder of a person who was protesting Nazis. No, instead what and we got was not what both sides are to blame. And, and there are very fine people on and you, And you still have most of the right defending that. Yeah. So... And now... You know, there's a protest uh, planned for Portland in the next, I think it's this weekend. Uh, Portland's but, really a flashpoint. It, in well, this. I mean, Oregon was initially, like, supposed to be a white supremacist state. That was not, the idea of Oregon. Because not only do you have a lot of white supremacists there, the, the anti-white supremacist movement there is also really aggressive. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't want you there. And I think that we have to always remember that... Um, you know, countering Nazism um, with equal um, opposing force is not causing a riot, mm-hmm. right? It's not as though people who are against Nazis just went into the street and started like busting out windows. The reaction of people who don't like Nazis is to oppose Nazis. And sometimes they have to use equal opposing force to do so. And I don't call that rioting or violence created by Antifa, which is not a thing, by the way. Um, That's just reacting to Nazis coming into your community. And I think that our grandfathers, right, and and some of our great-grandfathers, maybe if you're very young, um, would argue that that is exactly what you should do. Let's 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 roll back a little bit to because so much has happened and even though it's only been not even a week, you know, we got to go back to the things that have been talked about in the wake of these mass shootings. Yeah, Um, you had all these talking heads on MSNBC talking about a couple things that drove me crazy. One was well, local law enforcement needs to take the lead. In in taking on these extremists groups, yes. um, that's very naive. That is that is extraordinarily naive of these people to say. And you have the well, Chris Hayes's and, and Rachel Maddow's nodding their heads along with it. I mean, and they know better. And that's it's what's dangerous. really frustrating. They know better. Um, that's very dangerous. Another thing is you have some people, uh, Republicans and Democrats, talking about. Bipartisan solutions to in, in counter extremism, domestic terrorism. Now that is a Trojan horse, a very yes. obvious Trojan horse. Well, I don't know that it's obvious, but it's something we really fucking have. It to It should about. be obvious, right? So we're th- talking th- about it. How Trump inter- would use like, this. How, hold on, what? How it's been presented to the American people by the media and by the government is. And not by the Trump administration necessarily, but by like you know people. It's like okay. White supremacist violence is the greatest threat to our domestic, like, right, our country that exists domestically. Mm-hmm. 
And so we have to do more. What we have to do is we have to further arm local law enforcement. We have to do all these things. But we also have to, like, we have to create this new unit in the federal government that that investigates and is is given all of this power and all of this money and all of these resources to fight domestic terrorism. Yeah, because let, the FBI, yeah. there's this weird narrative going around about how the FBI doesn't have actual authority to investigate domestic terrorism. <laughs> let's let's back up for a second. Absolute fucking horseshit. Well, hold on. Let, let's just analyze what that would even mean. Because let's let's pretend for a second that a bill comes up tomorrow. And it is the Bipartisan Domestic Terror Task Force Bill. Yes. Under the Department of Homeland Security. Right. Yes. Who gets to decide what a domestic terrorist is? How do those resources get allocated? Do they go to local <laughs> law enforcement? Do they go to the federal Well, government? I'm talking more fundamental than that. You have... And But my question, Hold why on. I bring that up, is that... Who decides is exactly who that funding goes to. And well, I'm, so, I'm not even just talking about. I'm not. I'm talking about much broader than that. Not even in terms of yes, that that is an, an aspect of it of further militarizing local police departments. But just think about this. No, I, hold on. I know exactly. Go ahead. You have two branches of government right now. Uh, well, so the courts and the Senate and the presidency is still controlled by a party. That the party line is still there were fine people on both sides in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. So think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever posted anything or liked anything with the name Antifa on it, or if you've ever shown up at a protest wearing a black hoodie, right? Or a Mm -hmm. scarf. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden, are you a domestic terrorist? Probably. The question becomes... Who does law enforcement see as the domestic terrorist and who do they not see? Because what we're doing, which is why I bring up funding, is we're saying law enforcement, be it federal or local, get to decide who is a domestic terrorist and who is not. And as we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, whoever the cops have their back to are who they support. Mm -hmm. And so if you think that we're going to have some sort of white supremacist task force to eradicate that by making some sort of like domestic terrorist task force like no they're not going to be going after their own and make no mistake their own is white supremacists so what we're doing when we talk about this by trying to say like we really need to go after these white supremacists is we're saying we would like to enable law enforcement both at the local and federal level to investigate people who they don't like and who they don't like is us exactly and so if we would like to put a bunch of money into allowing and and sort of giving resources to local and federal law enforcement to crack down on people that they see as domestic terrorists those people are going to be anti-fascists anti-racists um people who disagree with the president people who disagree with xenophobia i mean anybody can be considered a domestic terrorist at that point with no oversight right because it's just like, what, Department of Justice or Homeland Security? Um, and who decides is the people who are already there? And what we know about those people is that they, and I, I'm not trying to target every police officer or every like FBI agent or whatever, but like largely 
law enforcement favors white supremacists and right wing activists. Well, we know that for a fact. We, just we know. We know We've that based. We looked at it over and over. It's not looking at it. We have evidence and documentation from Charlottesville. Yes. That the police were cooperating with the actual Nazis. Yes. In advance, so so we know this is a thing, and in Portland, we we've known this has happened, and and everywhere for fifty years, and this has happened. And you have the president and the Republican Senate nodding along in agreement when he says anti-fascists are as much of a threat as Nazis, Nazis, and in fact more so for Trump because they oppose Trump. Yes, the anti-fascists. Correct. So this is very dangerous, and I and I do worry about Democrats yes. being dumb enough to fall into this. So hard. I've already seen so many Democratic people in Congress be like, "We should do that." We and I'm like, "Hold fuck on, stop, stop." It's bipartisan. It'll be wonderful. I don't want. We please don't do that. Please don't do that because all that does is say, cops, whatever level they are can just literally just be like, you're a terrorist. And what do we do with terrorists? <laughs> uh, rendition them to yes. faraway countries. Send them to Guantanamo. Disappear them. Decide they no longer have rights. Thanks, yep. Patriot Act. Yep. No due process. No lawyers. No family. You just go away because the government decided that you're a terrorist. And what we're saying is we should put a lot of money into this new task force that decides who's a terrorist domestically and then... What the fuck happens to us? We go away. And, and they make fucking sure of it. This yeah. is so fucking dangerous. I cannot possibly overstate how much we should not do this. It is. We should and, not do and, this. And we've been tearing out our hair every time like we turn on a, a, a Matto or a Nicole Wallace or a Chris Hayes and some. It's always a former prosecutor. Being like this has to be addressed at the at the local level of law enforcement, and they need to take initiative and identify who, you know, the dangerous people are. And it's like you're going to leave that up to them in this administration. Did you really not think this through? Even without this administration, there well, are but so especially, many. But especially, but, right? But there are so many stories that have also been coming up of all of these local law enforcement. We're going to leave it to local law enforcement, right? And then there's all these like things that have been uncovered by investigative journalists that are like, oh, all the local law enforcement are, are white supremacists. All the local law enforcement, they posted this. This guy posted this thing on this Nazi website. This guy is affiliated with the KKK. This guy is affiliated. And they're all police officers at a local level. So this is not like some made up thing. Like yeah. local law enforcement are largely affiliated with white supremacist and Nazi organizations. So if we're going to leave it up to them, <laughs> like we're so fucked. We're so fucked. Yeah, it's like it's at these moments that if there were any true libertarians left, which I mean most libertarians are just Republicans who don't like the label, but if there were any actual libertarians out there, like this would be a good time for liberals right. to unite with them Militias, on things. For example, right? Not allowing the government to overstep its bounds to citizens' individual rights. Mhm. This would be an opportune time for militias to step in. And yet militias are like, no, we should definitely arrest the Antifa. Yeah. As though that's some organization. And they're like, we should expose who the the leadership structure of Antifa is. And it's like... I wish we were that organized. Oh, no, there is no... There is no... It's just human beings who live in this country who are not willing to let Nazis take over. 
<laughs> That's should. why there's no organization because it's just a lot of people who don't want Nazis. Well, the ironic part is at this point we should be organizing as much as they think we are. Um, us anti-fascists. Well, and then we do that and then look what happens in the 1960s and 70s with the Black Panther movement and like all the aim and like the... Yeah, well, they might do that anyway when we're not organized. We're just people minding our own business and once on Facebook... But if there's an affiliation, then like... Then, then you go to jail forever. I mean, it's it's. You might go to jail forever really, anyway. If we're organized, really we can communicate. Fucking grim time. It is. It's dangerous. It's scary. And I and don't be so don't naive be, to think that no, that this lured into that this, this president bullshit. and this attorney general would not use these tragedies, would not use these massacres as an excuse. I mean, this is what always happens. Usually, they just manufacture something. Yes. But if they have something that actually actually happens, thanks to them, they caused it. They helped cause it in the first place. In the name of security, that is the the rise of fascism is always in the name of security. It's never like, yep. let's give fascism a shot. What the hell? Everything's going fine anyway, but it's always like, oh, we the need security. Fire, right? Like, it's always something. The, the, some the communists are terrorists and they want to blow things up. You're scared of them, right? Yep, you better, you better rely on us. It is always yep. about quote-unquote security. And we already have the camps. Right? And now, today, or yesterday, I don't remember, um, two things happened which make this even more relevant to this conversation about who is and isn't allowed in this country and what do we do about them one is uh, we will like to not allow anyone in this country and also deport people in this country who immigrated here and ever used or are currently using um, federal programs such public as assistance public assistance now let me back up and talk about how insane that is just because of the way that the American economy is structured the American economy has been structured so that large fast food corporations large corporations like Amazon large big box retailers like Walmart not to mention all the companies including all the places Trump owned that, that use undocumented workers their whole structure works on the fact that they're empl- they don't pay their employees enough and they require public assistance to survive. Yes. That is the model we're using for our economy. Yes. And there are not enough, la- whatever you want to call native-born American citizen laborers who are willing to do these jobs. Right. Or who can do physically do these jobs. So you need, you need immigrants if you are... Jeff Bezos, or if you are the oh, what is the name of that fucking fascist family that owns Walmart? I forget. The Waltons. Yeah, the Waltons. Like you, you, you need this labor workforce, and you need these federal programs, or you, or your employees will literally starve and die because you're certainly not right. going to increase so their pay. You pay them a wage that is mandated by the federal government, which is not a living wage. And then you. It wasn't a living wage twenty years ago. You then require everyone who lives around them to pay taxes, to pay for things like food stamps and Medicaid and all of the things that they require to actually live because you refuse to pay them a living wage. So you are actually the fucking welfare queen, Walmart, Mm -hmm. and not the people who live who who work there. Like you are literally siphoning off of taxpayers because you refuse to pay your employees enough money to live. And then you lobby the the 
your representative so that the minimum wage never goes up. Yes. Uh, and you don't have to pay any more for anything ever. Right. So <laughs> they're trying to hollow out the economy. That's one of the weirdly ironic things is that if Trump and Stephen Miller really try to push this forward, he might get those lobbyists from these big corporations that, you know, they just got all these huge tax you know, tax breaks for would be like, no, nah, you can't really do that. Well, there's already been pushback. Um, I know at least in Colorado, but there's already been pushback of like, hmm, maybe we should stop saying that, Trump. Like, maybe <laughs> we should back up a minute because I fucking need those people. I need their slave labor, essentially. Their indentured servitude in order to make my shareholders happy. That's always the ironic part about this, especially with Trump, is like, Trump keeps pushing the levers of the full-on Marxist revolution. Yes. No, exactly. I mean, exactly. And and then the, the, the bosses are like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, yeah. let's just back up a minute. Let's maybe not do that. Because I don't know what I would do. And like, going off of that, I don't know if we have time. Yeah, we do. Um, the mass arrest and potential deportation of a bunch of people in Mississippi, right? At the chicken factory. Yeah, let's talk so, about that. Six hundred and eighty people. And this was, in by the way, this was literally as they were mopping up the blood in El Paso. This went down. Yes. So obviously, there are so many horrifying things about it that we can get into. One of which is that six hundred and eighty people were arrested at work. Their children um, just didn't get picked up from school which is super fucking traumatizing. They don't know where their parents are. They have no idea if they'll ever see them again. They don't know what they're going to do. Nobody knows what they're going to do. I guess we'll just put them also in a concentration camp. It's literally fucking genocide. Number two, really interestingly, the company that got raided was in the middle of, or had just settled out of a $3.75 million lawsuit that its employees had filed against them for, like, back pay and, like, wages. Wage theft. Wage theft. It's a big problem in this country that's horribly undercovered. Number three, zero people, zero people who work at that company who decided to employ those people got arrested. <laughs> now, being an undocumented worker is a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. Hiring, knowingly, an undocumented worker is a felony. Zero people who hired knowingly, and sometimes it has come out, provided the social security numbers for the undocumented people in order to hire them. Zero of those people got arrested. Of course. And 680 course. people, those are felonies, 680 people who just were trying to work to support their families got arrested and maybe deported. We, we can't go there because then the entire Trump organization up to and probably including Donald Trump would have to be indicted because we know that at Trump properties everywhere have almost exclusively employed undocumented workers because they can work sub minimum wage and get no benefits at all and and nothing. They've been and doing be, this for like, decades. And be horribly abused. Yeah. Right? In some cases, in some cases, like, oh, I was treated fine. I just wasn't paid, you know, a real wage. But right. it's worth a lot of money to my family in Guatemala if I'm working for, you know, $4 an hour at this fucking golf course or wherever. Right. So. I mean, I worked for J.B. Swift, which before it was J.B. Swift, it was just Swift. And it's a meatpacking plant in Greeley, Colorado. And it was the subject of Fast Food Nation, the mm -hmm. book and then the movie. Yeah. And not only were the workers paid 
horrible wages, slave labor wages, really. Um, but also, like, the women were raped regularly. Yeah. And um, they had to wear diapers because they weren't allowed to take bathroom breaks. And they were, like, shitting near the food. And, like, all of this crazy shit happened. And it was a time before I worked there, and I worked there as a temp for, like, two months. But, like, it's not just they're paying people less than they would have to pay you know natural born fucking entitled white people to do this work but it's also like that it's because these are undocumented people they don't have an avenue to go and report things like my boss raped me yeah you know my boss made me work for 72 hours in a row with no breaks like they they don't have any avenue to do that and so there's just like mass mistreatment of and um and the torture and abuse of of immigrants and then when we find that out we're like they don't want to pay the 3.5 million dollars in wage theft so we just arrested all the immigrants and we're going to deport them like that's where we are yeah that's not i'm not making that up i'm not like being hyperbolic that's literally what happened and i'm sure the plan for this company is you bring in a whole new batch yes because of undocumented uh, literally workers. okay and then when they everybody in mississippi who doesn't uppity, have a job who's white go gut chickens and clean up their fucking blood and yeah, guts right. Yeah, right. and slip and fall on the blood and guts on the floor and do that for $7 an hour. I want every Mississippian who's against illegal immigration to go work at that fucking plant. Of course they won't. Period. But but the, the owners of that plant don't want to even pay $7 an hour. Right. So they'll bring in a, a new bunch of undocumented workers and as soon as they get too uppity, they will call ICE again. Now, we don't have proof that that is how it went down, but it doesn't take a lot of deductive I mean, reasoning. We owe a bunch of money because we mistreated them. They won a lawsuit. Then ICE came and arrested all Yeah, of very them. few people are actually talking about that. I mean, angle. that's the, what happened. That's literally the timeline of what happened. So, <laughs> what do you want me to say? And nobody who works there got arrested. Like, nobody who hired these people got arrested. And they won't. And they it's, won't. You have Barr talking a good game. Uh, anyway, we only have a few minutes before the break, and we haven't touched 10% of the stuff that's happened to talk about. Uh, second half, we're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Obviously. And we're, I have some international things to talk about, because the East is kind of literally melting down uh, and burning and irradiating yes. and as I have we some speak. Opposite day, very local stuff to talk about. Okay. But that is like super interesting uh, stuff that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So um, we in a fit in something else with what we talked about before the break. Oh, just why I was gone, I guess. Okay. It's been super busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to New Orleans mm-hmm. to visit my bestie. Um, that was super fun. New Orleans is a super fun city. I got to go to a white linen party, which is like. I imagined it's like a um, first Friday art walk where like you go and like all the galleries open up and we do that in in Denver too and it's usually a couple hundred people and it's fun but New Orleans being New Orleans and New Orleans being a city full of people who will literally go to a parade or party for any reason yeah there's (laughs) always a parade or a party um it was crazy but it was really fun and I was really happy to go um and like our lives are just a little bit kind of crazy this summer so yeah. if we're um, off and on, just give us a little bit of a break until the fall hits because it's just going to be a little bit uh, nuts. But we appreciate your patience and always uh, your support, obviously. Um, 
also because we're kind of in this crazy time if you guys have stuff that like you think we might have missed or like you know with the deluge of bullshit that we look at every day if you're like oh I don't know if you saw this please send it like tweet it to us or email us or like just yeah. let us know because we're gonna miss stuff because it's just too much not much Everybody. gets by us our radar is up but yeah, but if you think there's something we might not have caught, like, please send it. Well, that you think we'd be good at talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, if we could offer some expertise and... Yeah, let us know. For sure. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will discuss Epstein, a a neo-Chernobyl-type thing happening right now in Russia, along with, like, their forest burning completely. And uh, a socialist all, takeover of the Denver City Council, which I'm really happy about. And all the unrest in Hong Kong. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. to a reverend testimony before we get into jeffrey epstein you had some things to talk about i wanted to say something nice before we get into something awful <laughs> okay. which is sort of related but not at all um <clears throat> in news that is like water is wet <laughs> uh simone biles who is an olympic athlete um uh, a gymnast uh was competing at the U.S. Uh, national championships this weekend and did an extraordinary two things. Um, she already has two moves named after her, the Biles. Mm-hmm. Um, she completed the other two. <laughs> so she uh, was on the beam and did this dismount that is undescribable, and you should just go watch it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she did her floor routine and did a, a double, triple, which has never been done by any athlete in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And so she now has two things named after her. And I think she might be her and Serena Williams, maybe, or like... Uh, best athletes in the world? The best athletes in the world, yeah. And potentially the best athletes, at least uh, Simone Biles and I don't know... I don't follow tennis the same way that I follow women's gymnastics, but um, Simone Biles may be the greatest gymnast in the history of the sport. Um, eh, it's probably fair to say, right? No, it definitely is. 
like most people have that are considered like the greatest of their generation, like one thing named after them. Mm-hmm. She has four. Um, you know, the next Olympics aren't coming up for another like what year and a half. And how old will she be at that time? Uh, she's 22 right now, so she'll be 24. That's old for a gymnast. It is very much so. And this uh, commentator was saying, um, you know, we don't, they don't usually like say who's going to be on the Olympic team until the year of, usually a couple months before the team is announced. But they said like, she is peerless, meaning she has no peers. Um, There's no one on this planet that is better at this sport than she is. And so she will be leading the team and who knows who. Even at the ripe old age of 24. But didn't you, I don't know if you told me, but you know gymnastics better than I do. And it's because when you're younger, your joints are so springy. I think that most gymnasts by the time they're 19 or 20 are pretty much too old to compete at the really high levels. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I That's mean, why most of them are like 14, 15 when they're in the Right. Olympics. Well, it, they start them out really early. And then by the time you get old enough, there's a lot of combinations of things, including, you know, injuries and yeah. um, a lot of factors. Puberty hits, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that really can affect, uh, especially women gymnasts, um, in their just ability to perform at the same level. And Simone Biles um, just has like, such incredible power and just she's just an incredible athlete it's not just in gymnastics i remember being a player and a coach like football and basketball and soccer the little ones you know 12 13 14 15 your knees and ankles and all kinds of things bend in certain ways yeah they just bounce back real quick and you're like oh you just kind of bounce back i mean sometimes you get serious injuries (laughs) but it's when you start to get older 16 17 18 that the more serious injuries can occur yeah. from landing funny and your knees twisting in ways they're not Absolutely. designed to. Absolutely. So I could see how in gymnastics 100%. I mean, that would and, be and, really amplified. I mean, we have talked about this before, but like gymnastics is one of the most intense sports that you can possibly do. For your joints. Um, and, yeah. Just in general. Um, and like there have been literal like uh, college and NFL uh, football teams that have come and tried to do a half a day with a, uh, uh, women's gymnasts and, and have can. been un- unable to even sort of keep up yeah. with the rigor um, of their athleticism. They're truly like some of the greatest athletes on earth and Simone Biles is unparalleled. Like, mm-hmm. There is just no one like her. And even if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, if you just watch her do the thing she did, you're like, what is that? I mean, even if you know nothing about the sport or like how it's scored or anything else, I, I've always thought it was insane perform, from, from being a young oh. kid watching Olympic gymnastics or even college gymnastics. Yes. It looks like a video game to me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand how these people do what they right. do with their bodies. And, and you know, knowing sort of like what we're judging on, which I'm not like an expert on or anything, but like, knowing that that thing isn't possible, which is like the thing she always does, the thing that's not possible, that no athlete, including male athletes, which is always a thing that women are judged against, which I fucking hate. Yeah. There is not a single athlete that has ever performed what she did on the floor to this date. And okay. that's that's an extraordinary accomplishment and an example of black excellence. And I just wanted to say, like, before we get into some really gross stuff, because I think we can segue real quick. <laughs> because, of course... Um, USA Gymnastics has been roiled in yeah. this sexual assault scandal. That doesn't never Larry seems Nasser. to end because they keep 
covering up and hiring shitty people and it just never kind of ends but you there. got somebody like Simone Biles who keeps coming out and being like are you fucking kidding me yeah yeah. they tried to hire somebody and she was just like no, no. and <laughs> like you know like she's a sponsored athlete at this point like Dr. Dre has given her like the Beats headphones like she is she is if anyone like people will listen to her mm-hmm. and she was just like absolutely not and you like didn't ask any of us you didn't say anything you just hired some fucking guy like no no and they were like never mind he's fired what do you need you know so she's just really like an extraordinary human being and and an extraordinary athlete and um the the sexual assaults that occurred to these athletes um is absolutely uh horrific and i'm so glad that and all the the cover-ups and they they acted just like the catholic church pretty much absolutely but that's a whole other topic for another time But we're going to talk about jeffrey epstein so i thought it would be relevant okay like decent enough young women being exploited Uh okay so in case you've been living under a rock jeffrey epstein was found dead in his cell was it sunday morning saturday morning one of these weekend mornings yeah and immediately well so many things to say about that Let's just start at the beginning so we don't get ahead of ourselves. So he had a suicide attempt a couple weeks ago, 18 days before he died. They they were never official about that, but that's what it seemed to be. Right. It could have been an assault, too, but he was also in solitary um, and on suicide watch, so it seems very much... I don't think he was on solitary. because He was. Well, no, because I heard today or yesterday that they were alerted to the suicide attempt by his cellmate. The first time. Oh, the first time. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I don't think he was in solitary. And why would he be in solitary? Anyway. Well, obvious reasons, right? That, like, he's a very high-profile, what in prison they call chomo, yeah, which is a child yeah. molester. Um, and those people are at really, really great risk of murder um, and rape and assault. You would think, though, <laughs> in a federal prison under the auspices of one William Barr that the word would get down that this guy needs to survive and be untouched to get to his trial unless they didn't want that to happen. And that gets us into all the conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. which started right away. And our own president decided to retweet one. This doofy-looking right-wing comedian said something about basically Hillary Clinton had him killed or killed him personally or something. Right. Right. And President Trump retweeted it. He retweeted it. The president of the United States, an unfounded conspiracy theory. And then people on the left are just unfounded with the, well, obviously Trump wanted to have him killed and Bill Barr. And it's like the the reality is just worth talking about. I, I don't think anybody I don't think anybody shanked this guy or I don't I there might have been foul play for all I know but I think this is actually more telling of the fucked up justice system and well, the state of our I, prisons. I, I would like to read you a thing if that's okay. Yeah. Which is especially specifically addressing that. Yeah. Which is uh, an argument about the only um, conspiracy theory that you should believe about Jeffrey Epstein, which is. Uh, an article written um, by Aviva Stahl. Mm -hmm. It is called One Conspiracy Theory About Jeffrey Epstein's Death is Real, and it's been right under our noses all along. The uh, sub-headline is, I've spent years reviewing autopsies and investigating deaths at the correctional facility where Epstein died. People should be talking about my findings. And here's the article. 
Early Saturday morning, news broke that high-profile financier and alleged sex offender Jeffrey Epstein had died, apparently by suicide, in his jail cell at the federal jail in downtown Manhattan. The facility, called the Metropolitan Correctional Center, MCC, holds about 800 people awaiting trial on federal charges. Within hours, the internet was awash in conspiracy theories about his death. In 2018, I published an investigation into conditions at the MCC on the New York City-based outlet Gothamist. And this weekend, as that story began to circulate on Twitter, the conspiracy theorists also found their way onto my timeline. (laughs) Quote, Epstein was running a classic honey trap, unquote, for Western Intel, one person tweeted me. Quote, if you have no understanding of the deep state tactics, you believe what you see on TV. Keep believing, (laughs) baby. That's what they're counting on. At this point, of course, none of us knew for sure the exact circumstances in which Epstein died. But as someone who spent almost two years digging into conditions at MCC, including interviewing defense attorneys, human rights advocates, and former residents, I can safely say that what happened to Epstein's did not surprise me. Jail is governed by corruption, indifference, and outright cruelty. Anyone who thinks there needed to be some grand conspiracy in place for him to successfully commit suicide is living in an alternate dream world where individuals charged with federal crimes are kept clean and safe while they await their day in court. That could not be further from the truth. Here's the first thing you should know about MCC. It's a filthy, vermin-infested place. Quote, We saw rats so big it seemed like they could only be in the sewer, one former prisoner told me in describing his time there. But they wasn't in the streets or the sewers. They were more like roommates, unquote. The place is grossly overcrowded, and plumbing is always breaking down. In one 2015 lawsuit, a prisoner described how the people on his floor were forced to defecate into bags, which were then not removed from the unit. Some men instead opted to defecate into the shower. Nor is it a secret that MCC is a violent place, and it seems like staff there have lied about prisoner deaths before. In September 2017, an attorney named Andrew LaFour filed a lawsuit alleging that after 35-year-old Roberto Grant was beaten to death at MCC in May of 2015, the prison staff tried to cover it up by telling his family he died of an overdose. I reviewed a copy of the autopsy performed on Grant, which stated that the father of two had suffered, quote, blunt blunt force injuries of the head, neck, torso, and extremities and had no detectable traces of drugs in his system. Quote, there's not an inch of that facility that is not surveilled, LaFauer told me. No one cares. There's also a total dearth of medical care, especially when it comes to treatment for mental illness. MCC and its sister facility, the Metropolitan Detention Center in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, share a single psychiatrist, and each have only a handful of psychologists on staff, according to court documents, Yet this skeleton crew was expected to provide comprehensive treatment to the nearly 500 or so individuals suffering from serious psychiatric illnesses. From what I understand, when individuals are in psychiatric distress, like when they are on suicide watch, they are sometimes even evaluated through the slot in their cell door. Given everything we know about MCC, the conspiracy theories about Epstein's death aren't just stupid, they're dangerous. They let the Bureau of Prisons off the hook for not addressing conditions there years ago, along with the Southern District of New York, the office charged with prosecuting Epstein and others held at MCC. 
They give a free pass to Congress, who are responsible for overseeing the BOP and ensuring prisoners there are detained in humane conditions. And they give a free pass to the American press and public, too, who seemingly only pay attention to the brutality of MCC when the likes of Epstein and El Chapo end up there. We might not know for sure what happened to Epstein, but the real conspiracy about MCC, if you can call it that, is that we ignored the brutality of the place, even though there is plenty of evidence, even though it is located in one of the busiest, most populated, most media-saturated locales on Earth. You don't need to believe the Clintons colluded to kill Jeffrey Epstein to make sense of his death. You just need to acknowledge that all of us, the people in power, the voters, the reporters, the residents of New York City, should or could have known that prisoners there were suffering, suffering, yet nothing changed. Yeah. So that's an important piece, and that is not a sympathy piece for Jeffrey Epstein. Nope. The whole point there is that you think <laughs> there was enough attention or care given that, you know, there, there was a prisoner in danger of committing suicide, which is, of course, the cowardly way out. It's the way Hermann Goering went and a lot of the Nazis that were knew they were going to be prosecuted Hitler. for their crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... It is not unfathomable by any stretch to think that he would have successfully killed himself there, and he did. And under the watch of... That's another funny thing about trying to pump up the conspiracy theories, especially with the Clintons, in a federal prison under the (laughs) watchful eye of the Attorney General William Barr. What was he in on it? Like... What are you saying? Yeah, somebody was like, oh, he went and visited Epstein like two hours before his death. And they're like, that's not true. (laughs) Don't believe anything. Um, Other than that, it's absolutely possible that this man killed himself. And why wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? His life, as as he knows it, is over. Now, let's talk about the fallout because we already saw a bit of it. There's a trove of information that is going to come out and a lot of names. Uh, now, we know some of the names already, but there's others. Um, just mentioned in passing, very briefly, Bill Richardson, former uh, governor of New Mexico, a Democrat, a guy that a lot of people assumed was going to run for president at some point, very high roller in the party. His name has been mentioned in connection now. One of the um, victims has, has named him. Um, Bill Mitchell, former, I think, um, Senate uh, Democratic Majority Leader. So, hey, two Democrats told you there would be Democrats involved. Uh, Y'all, if you don't think a bunch of people that you think are on your side are in this, you're kidding <laughs> yeah, yourself. Hate to break it to you. Um, some uh, hedge, rich hedge fund asshole, uh, other names we know about Dershowitz, obviously. Um, there's going to be more stuff to hit the fan. We know about Prince Andrew. We don't know what the hell's going to happen with that. Don't think they're going to extradite a royal <laughs> to serve to uh, face trial in the United no. States. No. Um, other rich, very rich and powerful people from around the world. We've talked about this ad nauseum. We're going to talk about it some more, you know, why these men do this, but there's more shoes are going to drop. And, and just because this man is dead, does not mean that, like, oh, well, I guess it's over then. No. Like, it doesn't mean that at all. Like, they raided the island this week. Um, I don't know what comes there. I think it's there's an important legal point to make, which is that him being dead, in some ways, makes it easier for the prosecution to 
get discovery into the record um, for other cases. I don't know where this woman, Giselle, whatever her name was, is. Mm -hmm. Like, why is she not in custody? I don't know. Um, But, like, just because he's dead doesn't mean that, like, well, I guess all these victims just, like... And some of that, I've just been seeing on MSNBC, like, well, it's not fair for the victims. And it's, like, true, right? Like, they don't get to go through a trial... Not that they were ever guaranteed that because he could have just pled out. But like, I don't know if he could have pled out at this point. I think that ship sailed. Well, I don't know. Maybe. But but like who, he could have. Who, who's he going to give up? So so ple- what I mean by pleading out is not like accepting a plea deal. I mean by that, like just pleading guilty and avoiding a trial. Yeah, you can always do that. You can always just say guilty. And then like there is no well, trial. Clearly he wasn't going to do that. Um, But so. Just if anyone's feeling like really the way I think a lot of people in my life are feeling about this, like I want you to not feel so like devastated about it and feel a little bit heartened that like this does not end the child sex trafficking ring that Jeffrey Epstein had. Like there are still so many documents and so much evidence and I I hope that people continue to pursue it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know that that will be the case because I don't really have a lot of trust in the those agencies. But like, I hope that that's true, and that like, just understand that it's not over. It's not like, oh well, he's dead, so it's done. Like, there's there's a lot of people that are involved and in, ensnared in, in this. And I mm-hmm. think if um, we are to have some faith in our justice system, then we have to have faith that like there will continue to be like an investigation into what happened. So we'll see what happens. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but like, there this doesn't have to be over. So let's hope it's not. Oh, it's not. And 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 so many so many more documents are going to come out. God knows what they're going to find in his home in the Virgin Islands. Yeah, that was the island that was just raided like yesterday. And there's something. there's interesting talk about. I know that some of his lawyers have now lawyered up. Yeah, um, which is always an interesting. Always thing. interesting. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's just precautionary. Other times it's because they, like, if you're a lawyer of Epstein, at a certain point you're you're in as deep as you can be, or you're not his lawyer anymore, right? I mean, did you just become his lawyer, or have you been his lawyer for twenty years? Because if you've been his lawyer for twenty years, you should probably get a lawyer. Yeah. Because there's a very good chance that you are very aware of and or involved in some of these crimes. And now that he's dead, privilege gets tricky. It does. It doesn't necessarily of. go away. No, and it absolutely depends not. on the state. And absolutely, no. It doesn't depend on the state. Attorney-client privilege uh, persists after death. The thing that is different is that when you're um, arguing before a judge about like discovery and about like what gets permitted into the record and what doesn't, and like what can be discovered and what can't, it severely limits your attorney's ability well, you, to argue that it can't. You be. can no longer make the argument that Jeffrey Epstein's right to a fair trial is being Correct. Im- impugned. Correct. So. However, privilege still stands. Right. Right, like we know that famous case of the guy who like knew the, the attorney who like knew the location of the bodies of two dead girls, mm-hmm. and even though his client was dead, was unable to um, provide that information to police. No, he would have been disbarred. Because, yeah. Because attorney-client privilege, um, and they and they tried to exist after death. Yeah. The, the attorney was like, "I want to tell you this," but I can't. And the bar and the judge was like, "You cannot do that." 
<laughs> like you were well, no, unable at, to do that. At first, actually, the state bar went after him, and the courts went after them. And well, he never told, and he never told, and then no. they all, you know, then it then they it realized he, they fucked up. I and, think that he did tell eventually because they did find the bodies. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that privilege uh, persists after death. However, like the ability to for the defendant to argue due process is erased because there is no due process because that person is dead. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier for like everything to get put yeah, into. There's many more yeah. shoes to drop and things to unravel, but keep this in mind. I will put on my conspiracy hat for a second and say, look, if there's things that Donald Trump don't want revealed about Epstein, some of it is out of his hands, mm-hmm. but you know, he can go to bar and say, try to quash this and bar may or may not. So it depends. And you know? and it depends on how clever we believe that he is and how he decides to frame things. And we'll see. But I mean, well, yeah, I don't think look, Trump we're, is clever. We're in, a, is. We're in a, a situation where like the Department of Justice, who has some purview over this, is is being run by I, Trump's what personal I defense attorney. I would consider a hostile um agency at this point right like they're not they're not in the best interest of the people they are not performing the function of their job as as it's supposed to be performed so i don't know what they're going to do and i can't count on them but i know that like well on that subject that we were just talking about Barr is now throwing all the bureaucrats and people running the prison under the bus i mean yeah i mean he is he's doing this really weird thing where he's like we need to investigate this. And I, well, and I guess it's because they're going after like the liberals or something. And it's like, well, <laughs> wait, look, you, you're in charge of the Bureau of Prisons. Right? No, the I, he's and putting like, on a show. Uh, but no, no, he's not going after the system. He's just saying these people that were actually running this one specific prison are the problem. Because somehow I can tie it to like leftists, right? Uh, may, well, uh, That's what Trump wants him to do. Maybe. I don't know. Well, why other why otherwise why would you go after the Southern your District own... of New York maybe because they're after Trump? I don't know. I mean, know. I don't know. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre, and I do not believe that Barr is a principled man. No, so no, 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 no. He's doing this because he wants his to is like not, yeah, actually improve like the prison find system. No, of course, the like culprit of this. Or well, whatever. you know, when, I don't believe that. Right? When when this when this ball landed in Barr's lap, I I was I was really wondering how this was going to go. I had three ideas. The first idea was, and I this, this could have been scary, the first idea was he was going to do exactly what he did. It was basically blame the warden, blame you know a few of the guards, blame the lowest people on the totem pole. That's what right. people in power usually do, right? Yeah, of course. My second theory, and it still might hold, is that he's going to, because he's done this before, right? He will throw out some idea about a vague conspiracy. Like... There are unanswered questions, and we're looking into, and you know, and he'll never have any specifics, and he'll never well, come forward with any specifics. Doing that, right? Barr isn't. No, Barr hasn't said anything like that, but he still might. Um, no, maybe very subtly, but I mean, like directly, like he did oh. with the uh, with the hearings. You know, when when he said something, he alluded to a conspiracy against Trump during the campaign, right? Like he'll allude to some conspiracy, some shadowy conspiracy, and why not? That that'll give right wing talking point fodder for years. It'll be another Vince Foster, like Hillary really killed Jeffrey Epstein, right? <sighs> like, and then third, what I was worried about was like just invent a conspiracy whole cloth and indict you know the Clintons and start the fascist takeover. But he didn't go that far, not yet. At I least. mean, we're already in a fascist takeover. We are. It's a little. It's it's a little more slow moving and subtle than that. But like, 
I, I, you know, if there's a big fascist takeover to happen, they always need a catalyst. Right. I mean, I don't know. Here's my opinion about it, which may sound conspiracy theory-esque. I don't know. I think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. I think yeah. um, that either through negligence or intentional negligence that was allowed to happen. I've also read a bunch of psychologists that talk about what Suicide Watch really looks like and how they try to... Um, really like minimize that to a point because Suicide Watch when you start out is like you have nothing in your cell like it's very mm-hmm. very like barren no and no like, shoelaces and nothing you could and like it also hurt yourself like with in any way, makes shape, or form. it makes you want to kill yourself more yeah and so like and you have like 24-7 watch and it's this whole thing and so then they try to like bring you out of it pretty quick and this person was saying like 18 days is a reasonable amount of time. Like, usually within three is the max that you it's put someone... It's usually like 48 hours, yeah. Right, like, 72 hours is the max amount that you put somebody on, like, the, this sort of, like, super barren, you have no access to anything thing, because it's just really demoralizing, which yeah. makes people want to kill themselves more. And so, by 18 days, it would make sense that he would not be watched in the same way that he would have been watched within the well, first couple of days. Also, so, like, part of the reason, part of the reason... The, the, all the conspiracy hounds are out is because a couple days before he his lawyers came and asked to take him off suicide watch and said he seemed to be in good spirits and he seemed to be and if you were hatching a suicide plan and wanted to be able to do it you I'm sure you would present as oh yeah I'm fine don't worry about it yeah I'm okay now you would of course go good. to your lawyers like because suicide watch is not a thing that's fun it's not like you get to go to a cushy room and have like snuggle time with a cat it's like you have literally nothing in your cell. You're being watched constantly. You're not allowed to go to the bathroom by yourself. Like, it's crazy, right? Yeah. And so, like, by 18 days, if it's, like, by 15 days, you're like, look, I'm done with this. Like, please let me just be a normal person because I'm I'm really, like, I'm really tired of this. And I feel okay. And, like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Plus, Jeffrey Epstein was a fucking master manipulator. Yeah. His entire life. Like, that is how he became a financier. He had basically no qualifications. Well, he wasn't it, it, a financier before he convinced people that he was. And it, then they started giving him his their money. It's and like, looking more like financier means Ponzi schemer slash Right. Like, artist. this guy is not, like, some ace you know, stock market guy. He's just a fucking con man. Mm-hmm. So it's not impossible at all to believe that he either convinced his captors or his lawyers or all of both. Them. All of them. Or all of them to, to be take like, his, I'm fucking fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Please let me just be a normal prisoner. And then as soon as they did that, he killed himself. Yeah. I think that's absolutely that's what happened. completely plausible. I think that's absolutely what happened. I also believe that it's possible that like, you know, if somebody in a gang in L.A. can get somebody killed in prison, of course, that could be possible. But, like, <laughs> I, I just don't yeah. think that's this is the case. I think that he was such a high-profile prisoner, and I just I just don't believe that, like, that's likely. I, I, if, it, if it comes out that, like, oh, my God, like, some prison guard gave him a thing that like what that, okay I mean it's not unlikely I, I guess it's fine I, I I would believe that that's true but like I don't think that's what happened I think that this guy you know lived a life of of vile violent um sex abuse of 
children. Essentially got away with it with a sweetheart plea deal. Yeah, with the and Florida he never attorney. thought he was going to ever be prosecuted for it. And he absolutely didn't want to stay in jail. And he was absolutely not going to go to court and listen to his accusers Accusers, and like actually face the music for the crimes he committed against young women and the rapes and assaults and the the trauma that he created um, uh, of of these dozens and dozens of women so he just took the coward's way out and killed himself period I mean I I think that's what happened can I remind everybody that his accuser who was said she was Trump's accuser who said she was 13 at the time specifically mentions Trump and Epstein yeah just yeah. you know, just saying. That's not a conspiracy theory thing. That's just like that is true. Doesn't mean Trump had him killed. I think he killed himself because he didn't want to face what he had done. Yeah. Or he I don't even know that he thought it was wrong. I think he just didn't want to face the public backlash of like having to be that guy in court that like has to be like, yep. Publicly shamed. I definitely did that. Or like hear them say the things he did because he's... In graphic detail. Yeah, he's put it out of his mind. It's been a thing that he's been able to do for so many years for so many girls that like he just, he can't I don't think I don't think he put it out of his mind. I think... He can't face once, it. Once he finally realized I'm done and I'm never going to be able to go do that again and live the lifestyle that I've crave then that was it he's like yep game over I think that but I also think like just I've been able to convince myself for so long that what I'm doing isn't wrong because I'm paying these girls oh I I think he went I think he went to the grave believing that I do too I don't think he had any remorse or shame I I don't think so either but like he didn't want to like face it or listen to it or like own up to it and then I also you know he was never going to be safe in prison so he was going to be in solitary forever yeah. you can't be Jeffrey Epstein and then like just go to fucking gen pop you're going to be <laughs> raped and and brutalized and forever until you're dead which is going to be a couple of months let's be honest and I don't think that should happen there's all these people that are like I wish he had just gone to jail forever and just been raped to death and I'm like okay I don't want that. No, like, that that's I a whole want that's a whole different, you know, anyone angle for to conversation. get raped to death, right. frankly. I don't. In any event, uh he is dead. Um because Barr is the head of the DOJ and might try to play this in some weird political way, we may never know the full story of what the hell happened and how it happened and I think what he got just fucked killed up. himself in his jail cell. I frankly. I think so too, but I don't I don't think that Bill Barr will ever make an announcement to that end. Well, and I don't, I think this is one of those things that um, it doesn't matter even if we know exactly what happened because there's like fucking video footage that people will believe that that's what happened. I think there's no the footage idea, of him in his cell, but the idea, even if there was, let's imagine that there was, right? No, they say it's doctored or whatever. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. No. no one that wants to believe that's not true is ever going to believe, right? Like just the idea that this man killed himself is just not juicy enough. It's no, 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 good no, 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 no. There's, like, there's, there's millions. There's millions. Nobody's of people. Nobody's ever going to believe that. Who doesn't want to believe it? There's millions of people in this country that believe like Hillary Clinton personally like snuck into his walked cell, into his cell and <laughs> hung him and then walked out and everyone was like, "That's him." In, in her orange, you know. Suit. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, real quick because we're running out of time. Oh, God, so already crazy shit is happening in the east. Um, 
there are massive, basically, riots, protests, something of a real civilian uh, uprising, uprising mm-hmm. in Hong Kong because of encroaching uh, Chinese erosion of rights. And I, I'm going to give you a little primer on Hong Kong. It was about 20 years ago now that a, a Hong Kong officially went from British control to Chinese control. Mm-hmm. And, and this was a deal that was sort of struck being that, okay, we're, you're part of China, but we're going to enjoy the freedoms that we've always enjoyed, you know, without the totalitarian state really breathing down our neck. And China said, yeah, fine, we'll do that. It was like a treaty, right? Yeah. And it yeah. was like, how did this end date? Yes. Right? Okay. That, yeah, that was basically okay. it. But part of like the peaceful transition was that was the Chinese government promising like, oh no, you're still going to be the big tourist destination and this big economic hub and we're not going to fuck with you. Right. They're starting to fuck with them. Okay. And it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And the people aren't standing for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, just you turn that screw a little bit in a place like Hong Kong and the people take to the streets. I don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to take here. Um, but anyway, in normal times, certainly with a, an obvious adversary, arguably our biggest adversary in the world in China, despite all the trade, an American president would speak with solidarity for the people of Hong Kong and urge restraint from the Chinese government and right. talk about how important freedom is. Right. Right? Our president isn't doing anything close to that. Do you know what our president is doing instead? No. What is he doing instead? He sent his kid to the Which Far one? East. Which one? I think it was Don Jr. No. To negotiate a deal for a hotel and theme park, a Trump hotel and theme park using Chinese money. Not to Hong Kong, to China or to Hong Kong? No, China. During, wait, when? Now. What? What? So put yourself in an alternate universe. Also, it can't have been Don Jr. because he's a fucking idiot. It has to be like Ivanka or somebody. No, it was, it was, it was Don Jr. I think, or maybe Eric. I don't know. I confused both of them. But anyway, Uh. imagine a world where President Hillary Clinton, the only comments on Hong Kong or something about like, both sides need to work it out, and you know China is very important to us. And then, oh by the way, Chelsea is overseas building a Clinton theme park and hotel utilize with uh, Chinese investment. <laughs> Imagine that world. That's what's happening. That's what our president is doing. So that's Hong Kong. Now let's talk about Russia. So. A couple days ago, there was a very sort of vague, odd story emanating about a nuclear accident involving a missile. Yes. And at first, it didn't seem like quite a big deal. And people kind of mused like, huh, oh my gosh, it's another Chernobyl. Well, now it's looking like... Another Chernobyl? It's another Chernobyl. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. It's just so, like, everything is so fucking grim. The Russian state under... Vladimir Putin, it besides economically has has basically reverted back to Soviet style most everything. Great. Um, awesome, good, and good. certainly in terms of the flow of information. Now let me explain how this happened because there's a lot of confusion. This was not a nuclear warhead. Let me let's roll the clock back. Which is what exactly? Let let's roll the clock back to. All the way to the 1950s, sort of the, the, the early days of the nuclear age, when besides nuclear missiles, once we learned to make nuclear reactors, 
somebody came up with the idea in the military, like, you know, we could miniaturize one of these little nuclear reactors, put it on a missile and have it fly anywhere or have it just fly around the world for as long as we want. Just kind of hovering over people's heads and saying, hey, we're going to hit you with this missile anytime we want from anywhere and, and, you know, we can just have it and we can have it like spew radioactive material on you. And at a certain point, we realized. I mean, I guess that's it, the thing I think we would want to do. I feel like that's a thing that America and Russia would both be like, this is a great idea. Well, at a certain point, I think it was even in the 50s, if not the early 60s, our scientists and military realized, like, there's no good way to do this. It is horribly dangerous. It is horribly dangerous, dangerous even to test it's really hard to control. It's just a bad and practical idea. And we, we scrapped it literally years before we even landed on the moon. We're like, okay, that was a dumb idea. Okay. Well, it's not na- safe. It's not good. Well, in the year 2019, Vladimir Putin said, you know what? Let's revisit that. Mm. Let's give that a shot. So they tested it this past weekend. And guess what? It failed. It was still a really bad idea. And it spewed radioactive okay. material. And we don't know the extent of it, but we know that... But it was on Russian citizens? This was yeah. in their own country? Yeah, mostly the scientists uh, that were working uh, on the project. Of course it was. I mean, I thought I'd want it anywhere else. I don't want it anywhere. I anyway. And the way they're... The way that... It's like it's much... like When you go back to the 80s, like, yes, we had spy satellites and people talked, but really the way we found out that, that the shit hit the fan in Chernobyl was because of all... These non-communist bloc countries who had nuclear power plants in places like Sweden and Norway and Finland, their radio radiation detectors started blaring. Right. And they're like, holy shit, our plant is melting right. down. And they're like, wait a minute. No, our plant is our fine. Our plant is fine. What the fuck's happening? The wind is blowing this way. What's going on? And that's how the world figured out that what Chernobyl happened. happened. Now, in this- because the Russian government tried to deny it, right? They did a lot of shit. No, I'm not going to go down the Chernobyl rabbit hole right now. But, you know, yeah, they did try to stop the flow of information. And we also started to figure out the way they were reacting to it in terms of, like, the the experts and the medical things that were happening. Like, this is way more serious than they're letting on. In this day and age, between social media and the advanced spy satellites and the network, and, like, it's really hard to keep shit like that under wraps for more than, like, 24 hours. Right, which they... Which they tried, (laughs) but we can tell the way they are reacting to this, that this is way, way, way more serious than it was letting on. And we don't know the extent of it and we're not going to know for a while, but we will find out. Yeah. We will find out. Yeah. Uh, So way to go, Russia. Are people reporting any sort of radiation sicknesses or anything like that in terms of like social media we don't know that. Or, or media. We don't know that like yet. That. We don't know that yet. It's, it's tough for that sort of granular information to come out of Russia. There's still very, very tight control of, of that sort of information that okay. gets released. So they're just like shutting down. The and remember this was on the heels of major protests in Moscow that we yeah. just saw this past weekend yep. because they're about to have another uh, fake election there. Right. Where, you know, Putin will win 90, 117% of the right. vote. 700% of the people. <laughs> right, right. Yes. So, and meanwhile, also, Siberia's forests are burning horribly out of control and they don't know what to do about it because of climate change. So, oh, great. Yeah, this is, this is the country and the leader we want to emulate. Yep. Great. Awesome. Our best um, friend. So, you know, Vlad in some ways is very cunning and very smart. In other ways, he's just as dumb as our guy. So these are the two guys... <laughs> 
that are holding on to all, you know, 95% of the world's nuclear weapons and their best buds. And, and this is going to end really well. Something and I guess okay. throw, throw Kim Jong-un in there too. Because, you know, yeah. these He's, best buds He too. seems super stable and also really smart. So again, we ask our conservative fathers, like, this is all cool, right? This is all fine. We're good with the Russians, you know, launching Chernobyls and... Kim Jong and the North and Koreans the North are Koreans. launching missiles so left like, and right. My dad's father fought in North Korea and like anything really bad shit happened to him there and like uh, anything to own the libs. It's fine. Right? Yeah. yeah. As long as we libs get owned, then everybody wins. Okay. We're out of time. Uh, we'll Sorry, have we- we'll have much more <laughs> next weekend, I'm sure, on the developments in Russia and Hong Kong. We gave that short shrift tonight. We apologized. There's just so much else that was happening. We managed to hit a lot of we things. We did tonight. hit a lot of we hit a lot of buttons, but I don't think we covered any of them as extensively as either of us would like to. But we did our best, and we didn't get into any of the local stuff. No, <laughs> we- I'll we'll maybe do that as a separate thing, but yeah. We can figure that out later. Anyway, find us on Twitter at Reverend Duo, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. I love you all. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.